0: Hey girl, welcome to the What A Mouthful podcast. I'm your host, Dee. I'm a qualified nutritionist, personal trainer, mindset speaker, and my favorite of all, I'm a mum. Living your best life doesn't have to be a grind, and I'm going to show you how to achieve a healthy mind and body. And if this episode speaks to you, give a sister a five-star review. This episode is brought to you by Flowfit. Your hormones should not be changing so dramatically that you could stab somebody one day and hug them the next, or leave you crying because your dog won't let you cuddle him. <laughs> but if on top of that, you never know when your period's coming and you know you're overtraining and undereating, or you know that your body's just stressed the fuck out, you're one in 10, not the only one. And I've built a six week challenge that is not only customized to your body, But it shows you how to eat, train and think to match your cycle with specifically targeted nutrition plans and training programs and daily mindset practices that help you feel like yourself again in no more than an hour a day. And I educate you on the go while you're already implementing and benefiting from those changes head to www.flowfit.live or you can book a 15 minute Zoom call with me through my link tree on Instagram and we can talk about if Flowfit is right for you. Now we have to jump into this week's episode and it's gonna start with the question from the community. This question comes from Tully in Los Angeles. Hey Dee, I'm actually transitioning off the pill at the moment. A friend told me to check your page out but I'm just sick of having acne at 25 and taking fake hormones. Do you have any advice? First of all, Tali, I feel you. I was 25 with acne and so sick of taking fake hormones. I was probably more like 23, but I just intuitively knew that it wasn't right for my body. I remember being 18. That's when I first went on the pill and it was because I got diagnosed with PCOS. And at the time there was nothing really known about PCOS and how I could handle that or how I could fix that or what I could do to train, to change my body. And so that's when I got put on the pill. And, you know, I feel like this is such a common issue that women experience because it's almost like they don't get noticed by their doctor. Their doctor doesn't hear them and doesn't respond to them in a way that helps empower them and makes them feel like there is something that they could do in the interim before coming back, like I was told, when I want to have kids in 10 years time because I'm probably likely going to need IVF it's such a common story and I think as a result of that a lot of women are trying to figure out well is it really that bad for me to go on the pill and so I really wanted to take today's episode to kind of dive into the pros and the cons of birth control. Now, obviously you might call birth control hormonal contraceptives. It might also be called non-hormonal contraceptives, but largely I'm talking about hormonal contraceptives here. It could be the pill, it could be the NuvaRing, it could be an IUD, it could be the Implanon. And I'm gonna try and break it down for you in a shorter episode. Um, I want to try and give you guys a little bit more of a digestible uh, episode as opposed to the hour-long ones that I've got. But hey, if you want the hour-long ones back, jump into the What a Mouthful Facebook group and let me know. So it's a very widely used drug. There is no doubt about it. If we're talking specifically about the pill, I'm going to give you some statistics. So about 100 million women worldwide are using contraception, and this is mid-teens to late 40s. In Australia specifically over 200,000 women are using the pill and that's from the um, government website in Australia. On the CDC website in America about 10 million are using the pill and about 7 million are also using long active reversible contraceptives. And so what's the problem here? Okay what's the problem? The problem is that we're using a contraceptive drug for something it was not intended for. how many women do you know, and this is probably you yourself, who went on the pill to manage their symptoms, right? Interestingly, it's a contraceptive drug, so it's actually made for preventing pregnancy and it's being used as a drug that it was never intended for. And so this is kind of the thing that sort of frustrates me. I feel like it's just a lazy response from healthcare providers. I feel like there is more that they could... Could do and if they don't have the tools I feel like they should be you know they should be handing you off and referring you to people who they know and trust in like the nutrition uh, industry lifestyle diet management and all those kinds of things so I just feel like it's lazy and even at best for the thing that it's intended to do with typical use it's only 91% effective anyway now I don't want to poo-poo on the pill okay I don't want to do that because I definitely recognize that there are some pros. So let's go through the pros. Um, they include that they can reduce painful periods. There's no doubt about that. Can, okay, can, just hold that thought. And heavy periods too. They can also improve acne, again, can. They can improve headaches. And then if we also zoom out, we have that individual level, obviously, of that sort of symptom reversal. But if we zoom out from, uh, you know, at more, community-wide level, it's also the pros are also that it's allowing women who want to go and graduate college, who want to avoid an unwanted pregnancy, um, who otherwise wouldn't if they didn't have something like birth control to help them manage that potentially. And so I think it's lovely. I think it's great. We all want to have sex. Good on us. Um, But I also think that we really need to have informed consent and it's really interesting because especially when i was you know suggested recommended to go on the pill at that time if i really think about it i did not have informed consent i wasn't sat down by my healthcare provider and told of all the risks so that i knew what i was getting myself into and i do feel like i would have made a different decision had i known that so i feel like It's important for us to know, first of all, what's actually happening in our body with those drugs, because they are drugs, um, to know that there are some risks involved. Like any drug, there are risks involved, which is totally fine. But again, we should be more aware of as the evolution and the medical science and the literature starts to change, what actually is what actually are those risks and are they changing in terms of the statistics and the percentages and the answer is yes they are changing and so things that we normally used to be scared of with the pill say for example so this, this is the cons list now we used to be worried that it was going to create heart attacks and blood clots and that is still possible it still can do that but the actual rates of that these days are actually lowered a lot so what we once typically thought was a really high risk when taking the pill is no longer as high as it once was and this is the beauty of you know as we progress time progresses we get updated information but that information should be relayed to us and i don't feel as though it is as relayed to us these days now that said i don't speak to my doctor much about birth control at the moment this is more the information that i'm getting from you guys that this is still happening and so again with informed consent I think it's really important that you know what's going on in your body and you know that the risks that are occurring as well for example did you know that the pill works on your brain it works on your brain so a lot of women think that it works on your ovaries but that's actually not the case it actually works on your brain first so if your doctor says to you it's all in your head you are a hundred percent right so that's mostly I guess the a sticky point that I find with the pill I I feel like it's a little bit unfair and again I'm not against birth control but if you're going to use it I would rather you be conscious of what you're putting into your body so that you know the trade-offs because there are some health trade-offs so let's go through them now so the pill specifically depletes magnesium and magnesium is essential for stress and essential for pain okay so pain obviously we're thinking period pain here it's essential for B vitamins. This is, you know, our energy, our detoxification pathways, vitamin A, C, and zinc. So zinc, interestingly, obviously. Um Is we know it's like an immune mineral, so we all know that by now, surely, over the last two years anyway. Um, But all of those, all three of those, um, that vitamin, minerals, those nutrients are essential for immune health. And then selenium as well, it depletes. And that's essential for thyroid, so is zinc. And so it's really interesting to see as more and more women go on the pill and are relying on this, especially daily when they look at these other symptoms that they've got going on and they feel like there's no other explanation for it, sometimes they dismiss the very things that they're doing on a daily basis. So again, this is not to poo-poo on the pill, but I just think that if you are on the pill, just have a good look. Are those symptoms explainable from something else? For example, do you have a lot of emotional stress going on and that's why you're feeling down and anxious or depressed? Or is it maybe something else? The other things that it can be, you know, that can be a con for the pill include, and I know that I said before that it can help with acne, but it depends on the type of pill that you've got. It can also create acne, but it depends on what the root issue is. So I've spoken before a lot actually about skin. So go have a look at my episode on skin. But when it comes to skin, it can often be caused by inflammation. And so estrogens are inflammatory. And specifically in studies, C-reactive protein, which is an inflammatory marker, actually can triple in women in studies who go from not being on the pill to being on the pill. And so if you look at that underlying inflammation, that systemic inflammation of the body, well, then we go, okay, so if we know that there's inflammation happening in the body when women go on the pill, well, then is it that far removed to say that it could then create acne because it's creating inflammation? you have that and then you also have you know, a vitamin deficiency of you know, vitamin C and a mineral deficiency you know, with zinc. And then not only do you have inflammation that's creating this um, kind of blockage in the skin, but you also have those, vi- th- those essential nutrients that are needed for skin health as well. On top of that, if you also have, say, you know, the, the mini pill as well, And you're specifically only taking what your doctor will call progesterone. Now, I'm also videoing this, so I've got progesterone in inverted commas. So if you're just listening, then you won't be able to see that. But in the mini pill, um, across all hormonal contraception, mind you, but in the ones that have progesterone only, they've actually got something called progestins. Now, progestins are like progesterone, but they are not progesterone. Those are, you know, fake I'll say fake hormones, the real hormone that we have progesterone has so many amazing benefits. And if I'm honest, when it comes to flow fit my six week program, that is the main goal. The main goal is boosting that up so much so that in the second half of our cycle, that week before our period and when we actually have our period, we feel awesome and we don't just feel shit half the month because I find it is you know around about seven and a half years, which I shared in my very first episode that we are wasting on that luteal phase of feeling terrible that week before our period and why should we? Especially when there are so many nowadays natural alternatives and people like me who are experts in the area that can actually help you change that naturally without drugs. So there's progestins as well that are in every hormonal contraception and the interesting thing about progestins is that they actually act like androgens in the body And the problem with that is that they can create things like acne. They can increase the sebum on our skin. And the more kind of oily skin that you have, the more likely that you are to have those, you know, to have that sebum be blocked. And then interestingly, you've got vitamin A, which is a sebum or oil regulator that's not there, that's not doing the work of actually balancing that sebum and that oil out. So Tali, I hope that kind of answers your question there because there is a lot of indirect ways that the pill specifically and and fake hormones in general um, or any contraceptive drugs or any birth control can have that ability to create acne for you. I can't say that there's a lot of direct research out there, but like I said, there's a lot of indirect research um, that will help point you to the fact that that's likely going on. It's really frustrating you know, when people separate uh, their one system or one part of their body from the rest of their body. It's like if you're putting something in your body, it's going to have some effect that's not just a localized effect. Surely that effect is going to be impacting the, the rest of the body somehow. And so other things that it could do as well is it could dysregulate insulin. It can increase blood pressure as well. It can create metabolic issues. And so we generally tend to see weight changes with women on the pill. I know for myself personally, when I came off the pill and I had been trying so much, and this is kind of before I had the knowledge that I have now, I was trying to, I guess, work really hard to manage my weight and then as soon as I came off the pill and this was just a personal experience but as soon as I came off the pill and I I sort of paused there because I know that this is the experience of many many women as you guys tell me in my dms that the, the weight just came off I didn't have to work so hard and that's when I had that light bulb moment of oh this is my hormones doing that for me my hormones can actually help me change that and make it a lot easier And so again, that was that light bulb moment for me that just changed everything that I'm falling pregnant where I was like, wow, hormones are cool. So it can also kill your libido. Um, Now, if you have no libido and it's flat as it's probably likely because you have an increase of, you can have an increase of testosterone, but you also have this high level of binding proteins and so there's a lot of testosterone and sometimes that testosterone can become a toxic testosterone because there's also a zinc deficiency there as well Um, but it can affect different women in different ways but a general consensus is that women have no libido, which is not fun for anyone and it makes sense because that's what it's trying to do, right? It's trying to prevent pregnancy. So it's suppressing that want or that urge for you to want to have sex in the first place. So it is no surprise that you have no libido. Now, I mentioned about blood clots and heart attacks. They do happen, but they're a low probability. But they do happen. Uh, And also, there's loads of effects on your microbiome and your gut health, too. Now, your microbiome has the ability to create a lot of vitamins for you. So from the food that you eat, those little bugs can go and help you actually create and transform and make nutrients that your body didn't ingest. It's kind of like this magical, awesome place, right? The gut, we love gut health. And so when that is happening as well, that is often why women have issues with bloating as well and and all these other gut issues. So there's a lot going on. One thing though, that I think is probably, in my opinion, the biggest con, because look, physical symptoms, we can deal with those. You can cover things up with makeup. You don't have to wear a midrip if you have bloating. But one thing that really gets to me is mood swings and women feeling as though they don't know themselves anymore. When you're really down and depressed, that's that's no way to live. And if you're a mom as well, I just feel like you just have nothing left to give your children. And boy, do you have absolutely zero for yourself. And so it's interesting because from what I understand, from you know a history in um, psychology or background in psychology but also this new school of thought is that depression and anxiety is not a neurotransmitter deficiency it's actually inflammation of the brain and so yes you might have a deficiency of the neurotransmitter but that's not the root direct cause and what's actually going on is that inflammation is therefore creating this tricky environment for your body and brain to create the neurotransmitters that it's that it needs now let's not forget that serotonin most of your serotonin and the number ranges from like 70 80 and 90 percent of what i've seen in in studies but a very very large amount of your serotonin almost all of it is made in your gut so if it's not being made in your gut by a healthy gut microbiome like those little bugs helping you out there well then it's also not going to be found in high levels in your brain and so for me i think if we're looking at things in a really holistic way and if you're not addressing those problems you're not addressing those underlying causes then of course you're confused of course and this is the thing is that Doctors aren't able to give you this information very readily and so we really have to go out and seek them for ourselves Because at the end of the day, it's our life that's on the line and not theirs and there's no No, you know light at the end of the tunnel for them to tell you Oh, just come back in 10 years when you want to go um, Have a baby and we'll do IVF at that time. Like I'm sorry. No (laughs) No, I, I you know, I'm a woman I'm a strong woman. I can figure it out on my own. Just tell me what I've got to do, and I can be consistent and I can make those changes in my life. So, what can you do I'm sure is the question that you have now I'm actually going to save that for a future episode because I would love to really dig deep on that and help share with you all the things that you can do because there is actually so much that you can do and so I hope that even that idea that thought gives you hope Um, but I wanted to keep these really uh, small like I said digestible episodes What a mouthful! I'm so full of puns. Um, did I go too far? Don't know. Um, but I must say, guys, if if the word "wow" if that popped into your mind at any point during this episode, you're gonna have to do me a favor. Okay, you're gonna have to share this episode. Okay, I want you to text the link to your sister. I want you to share a screenshot on your socials of you listening to this episode. Whatever works for you is certainly gonna help me. So I'll catch you next week on What A Mouthful. If anything in this episode sparked a question for you, please reach out to me on Instagram at DZabara. You're a legend and legends leave five star reviews. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Catch you next time on What A Mouthful.